Yeah, so this is Rock and Roll Grad School, hosted by Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. Squares. Hello, kitties. We're going to have a good time today because we are talking with Carla Williams about her tribute to the Carpenters. What's your favorite Carpenter song? Mine is their version of I'll Never Fall in Love Again. Mm. I'm more of a top of the world kind of gal. I mean, I like Superstar. Well, sure. That's a good one. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, when I was in school in England, we sang We've Only Just Begun for our choir. Of course, of course. That makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, and tell me if this is the case with you, I have been inundated by the doors as of late. Really? Yes. So here's why. And it's from places where I don't expect it, and I'm constantly taken aback. Did you literally go from carpenters to doors? Because I did. carpenters make doors. No, but that would have been a brilliant segue. I, I wish. I wish. So I was listening Are to... Are going to go to having a hammer pretty soon? Okay, can I get my sentence out? No. Thank you. I was listening to Los Angeles mm-hmm. by our friend's ex. Yes. And on that album... And I just had it playing in the car. I didn't look at the track listing, and I didn't recognize the lyrics. But they do a cover of Soul Kitchen mm-hmm. by okay. The Doors. Yes. Which, and the album was produced by Ray Manzarek, which I had, the like, doors. of The Doors. Mm-hmm. And I had this feeling at the time, like, th- when I was listening to this, I'm like, we should have asked about that. Because that been cool. you think about that record, you think about that band, and then you think about Ray Manzarek, and these two do not, this is not a chocolate and peanut butter scenario. Well, ultimately, yes, but not what you'd expect. Right. And, you know, again, you hear the band play and hear their ethos and their approach to everything. And uh, we should have asked about what was that connection that they had with him that made them think this would be a, a really good match in the studio, especially mm-hmm. when you think about the fact that they, I don't think they had been in the studio before or, you know. Right. And so then I'm uh, driving to the grocery store this afternoon and I go to Blondie on Spotify mm-hmm. and there is the old new single of their cover of Moonlight Drive. Okay. So there's a box set coming out at the end of the summer called Against All Odds, uh, 1974 okay. to 1982. It's the first uh, six albums. Uh, four additional LPs of outtakes and all this stuff. And this uh, tape is, when was it recorded? I don't say, possibly 75. But you put it on and it doesn't sound like Moonlight Drive. And then all of a sudden Debbie Harry starts singing and you're like, nope, that's Moonlight Drive. And again, two bands that I was not expecting Doorsness to be coming from. True. And there we go. So that's my, that's my that's musical thought. I have not had any sort of Doors moments lately. No, interesting. Because I feel like, I, I just don't know if their L.A. woman lives in the Los Angeles of X. Mm. Or if Moonlight Drive is, you know, on the road to Los Angeles. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It could be. But that's the beauty of Los Angeles overall, because I feel like all those things do fit for the L.A. I know and love. Right. Because it's so manic. Right. And it would take two hours to get there from anywhere. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So. To cross through one zip code, for sure. Oh, oh, please. Not even. 
We've only just begun to live White lace and promises A kiss for luck and we're on our way Are you right now where are you located well right now i'm in nashville okay i have a, I primarily live in mobile alabama but i have a home here as well and i'm <laughs> it's crazy i'm actually in the middle of moving so from one spot to the next in nashville so it's been a little crazy so but good and you have a record coming out on top of all of this yeah it makes total sense <laughs> what terrible timing i say all the time you know why not just pile it on <laughs> Yeah. I mean, There's a beauty in that, right? Because then somewhere in our minds, we can be like, it'll be calm at some point. Just multitask. I mean, right. why, not? why not? I know it. I know it. And you don't have that chance to really sit down and double think anything or, or talk no. yourself out of something you've just sure. committed and you're gone. Just, you just have to do it and push through it. I was here for, oh my God, last week for, um, cause I'm here about every 10 day. I mean, about every 10 days or so. And, um, and I came in for two days last week, literally for the moving truck to just get everything in. And then I left. And so I'm thinking, oh, my God. So I did do a lot, but I've gotten a lot accomplished right now. So we're good. Awesome. Excellent. It, well, reading yeah. the reading the liner notes, the press notes for the record, it seems like a running thread of your entire career is people saying, you know, you sound a lot like Karen Carpenter. Right. And especially when we... I mean, to go back to what we were just talking about, double thinking things and overthinking it. Did you spend a lot of time, a lot of time fighting that? How long did it take you for to go like, okay, let's, let's see where this goes. Right. When I first heard it, oh my gosh, almost 15 years ago, I really didn't think, I really didn't think much of it. I, you know, Karen was before my time. I was five years old when she passed away. Uh, but my parents listened to the Carpenters. So I was very familiar with the Carpenters. My favorite Christmas song of all times has always been Merry Christmas, Darling. Um, so I was very familiar. Again, I didn't really, uh, when I was told this, I was in the middle of recording my very first album, period. So that I think the excitement behind that um, and working with the people that I was working with back then, um, just I just really, I pushed it to the side. And so if you fast forward um, through an unbelievable music, music career so far, and even taking a break for a little while, just to be mom, I have four children. Um, I um, was sitting on a stage here in Nashville about to perform um, on a, a morning news show, uh, a couple of singles that I had just put out and um, had no idea who this, this guy was sitting behind me playing keys for me because my producer put the band together and didn't think anything of it. And, he walked up to me and he introduced himself and he said, my name is Michael O'Mardian. He knows to this day that name didn't even ring a bell with me, you know, at the time. Um, and so we laugh about that. But um, but as I got to know, uh, we all call him Omar, as I got to know Omar and the legendary musician that he is and the people that he's worked with and produced and written songs for and composed and arranged and everything, it blew me away. And it was that day almost three years ago that he said, I've just got a question, you know, sitting behind you, listening to you sing these songs up here. Um, he said, has anybody ever told you that you sound like Karen Carpenter? 
And it was at that moment that I was like, oh my God, as a matter of fact, yes. You know, at that time, almost 12 years ago, you know, another legendary producer, songwriter, um, composer had told me the exact same thing. And that's where the conversation began. And it has, boy, it has it ever changed my life from that, from that day. How so? I'm sorry. Other than the, like, how so? I mean, obviously the album, but what is it about right. that day that it really changed your you life? Know, I, um, having two people, you know, tell me that was a little bit, okay, maybe I need to dive into this a little bit more. Maybe I need to sit down and really pull out, you know, their catalog and just really listen to their music and, and see what it's all about and see what it is. And it was, you know, it, it was very, it was eerily familiar. It was um, my very low vocal tones. Um, Karen is a three octave range. Um, so recording her, a lot of her music was a big challenge for me. Um, but, you know, as I dove into her music um, and really listened to, and I tell everybody this, I know everybody's sick of hearing me say this, but I feel like the Carpenter's music is, it's just, it's almost incomprehensible. It is almost perfection. And I'm a music performance major. And um, so having studied so much of this stuff, you know, in college and things like that, I, I was just blown away by the art, by the talent, by the craft, by every aspect of what they did. And as I, we really dove into, um, okay, so what do we want to do? Where, where do we want to go? Where do we even start? Um, picking those songs was huge for me. Every interview I've ever done, I've always been, um, one of my big things is I've always say if, you know, even if I write a song or record a song, even on my first album, um, in order for me to sing it, I have to have lived it. And because I feel like that that's just a way that I can portray to my audience, you know, what the, what the music is, what the lyrics are trying to say and things like that. As I was diving into um, all of, oh my God, I mean, talking about tons of songs to pour yeah. through, trying to figure out what is it? We were going to start with a 10 song, you know, a 10 side album that turned into a 15 because I just couldn't stop. I mean, it was just incredible. Everybody along the way that has endorsed this project and has, you know, that are guest artists on it have uh, been life changing for me. So it's all the opportunities for the last two years that I've been able to be a part of. Um, all of those that I have met that have either sang on the album or um, played on the album. Um, it's just been, when I say life-changing, it literally has been life-changing for me. Did you play the drums on the record at all? No, I didn't. And as a matter of fact, I was just uh, texting my, uh, my drum instructor when, um, when I, <laughs> right before I got on the call with you guys, um, because I've had to take a break for a little bit, just with holidays and things like that and a lot going on. Right. Moving. <laughs> right. Moving for children, you know, releasing an album. Yeah. Life. Um, <laughs> but I am so excited about this process with the drums. I, um, I've always just been a vocalist. You know, I obviously studied piano and so many different instruments when I was in college. You know, I feel like that it's just something people want to do or they don't. I wish that I was one of those brilliant musicians that just woke up and was born and just could play anything and everything. Um, but the drums has come very natural for me. And I um, now have a big, beautiful drum kit in my house and mobile. And um, so it's um, it's a little bit of a challenge too, especially the coordination of playing and singing and everything mm -hmm. else. So. I did not uh, play on the album because I started lessons, you know, much later, but, uh, but I will be doing that in some shows. 
Because I feel like I'm always reading how great a drummer Karen Carpenter was and how underrated she is. And everyone always focuses on the vocals and say, but no, she was a great musician across the board. You know, the crazy thing about it is so much of what I've read and researched on. I mean, she was literally, I mean, she was a drummer even before she was a singer. I mean, that was, that was her heart's desire. That's what she wanted to do. And then when, you know, that beautiful voice came out, everybody said, okay, wait a minute now. We've got to, we're going to flip this around. You're too talented vocally to, you know, sit behind, you know, a drum set. Um, So, yeah, I mean, she is, she was brilliant at it. Is there any particular song from, because it's like picking your children, right? Trying to figure out, as you said, like pulling through that whole catalog and even the ones and so much of, what people love of their songs too, is they are so relatable. We've all experienced things so similar to, to your point of being able We've to- all experienced rainy days and Mondays. Absolutely. I don't yeah. know. What <laughs> <is>. <laughs> yeah. Was there one that you just knew the second you were going to do this, that this was, this one had to be on it, had to be. Well, I think that I'll go back and this is one that, um, you know, and you hear a lot of like rainy days and Mondays close to you, uh, superstar, those that you just know that, you know, that's the carpenters. Um, the very first song, um, that I recorded and I very specifically picked this song because it kind of relates back. Everything to me has a story and I love stories. I love stories behind music. I love stories behind people's life. I love, you know, the story behind why people write the way they do and things like that and sing the way they do. And um, so as I was peeling through so many of these songs, I, the very first song that I chose to record for the album was I won't last a day without you. And um, so many people have said, why did you pick that as the first one? And it kind of was a time back again to my story, having started a music career at the crazy age of 30 years old. I mean, who would have ever thought, um, because that's so, you know, old, as you know, so many of the younger kids say, to start a career and be taken seriously. And and the doors just opened for me and signed with the record label at 31. I mean, unheard of. I won a new music award, you know, female artist of the year, you know, at 31. And but at that time, you know, I was pulled. I had at the time three young children. I told my record label back then, my children are my number one priority. And um, so I can't I can't hit the road for months at a time and things like that. And I laid that out to him from Mike Borchetta at the time was the president of the record label. Borchetta is a very prominent name here in Nashville. And man, mm-hmm. what a what an incredible guy. What an incredible family. They just brought me in, loved on me, accepted me just where I was in life. But I was still even just being gone a couple of days, I was missing my babies back at home. And so I decided um, to take a take a break for a little bit. And so the reason that I chose I Won't Last a Day Without You was definitely back to that time in my life where I was looking at my three children at the time and saying, you know, I just can't this is amazing and wonderful. And I've been blessed with so many opportunities, but I miss my kids. And so it was, you know, and I feel like that that was just such a great starting point for me because it was not a familiar song to me. And I know to a lot of people of, Oh, well, you know, I've heard it, but I really have never paid attention to it type of thing. So that was a real special song for me. Um, but my God, when I sit there and I listen, I mean, I look at all the, the songs on this album. I, I mean, there's not a bad one. I mean, no, there's not. I could make, I feel like five more albums just by all the songs that they have because they're yeah. so good. How did you approach the production? Did, were you trying to get that Carpenter sound? How much of your own 
fingerprints did you want to have on these songs? Because it is, in many ways, a tribute to Karen and her talents. Absolutely. I've said from day one, and I've had this question before, actually, when we even started, you know, how same, same question, how do we want to approach this? My producer, how, what, what is it? What, what do we want to do here? My biggest thing from day one was never it being a Carla Williams project ever. It was more of, this is a Karen Carpenter tribute featuring Carla Williams and her legacy and her vocal skills and her talent and everything. I just wanted so much for that to kind of be brought back. And I feel like it got lost. So much of that good music back in that era has been lost. Um, And so as we approached this, we definitely wanted to stay true to her. We wanted to stay true to the arrangements. We didn't want to mimic every single thing because we did kind of modernize it a little bit. We, you know, we changed up some intros and outros and things like that. Um, But as far as, you know, the melodic qualities of it, we definitely stayed true because we, we did everything in her key. We stayed, you know, that was a big challenge for me because I was determined to do it. Um, so we stayed, uh, we stayed as close to her, but, you know, kind of put our own twist on it just a little bit. And I feel like that's such a hard balance to strike. It is. That had to be super challenging. It is because at the end of the day, you do want to remain respectful. You don't want to change it up so much that people or fans of Karen Carpenter's go, God, what, what is she doing? Why did right. she do that? which happens to, you know, that happens to music a lot of times these days. But um, that's why we wanted just as close as we could get it, but yet still everybody know that, um, you know, just kind of bring it, bring it to date a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, have you heard from Carpenter's fans? And do they have a cool nickname? Like, I don't know, hammerheads or something? <laughs> right. I was going to say like the nails. Nailheads. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, no, I'm not sure if they have any nicknames or not. Um, we'll have you know, to work on that. That, um, that anybody has heard so far is uh, Merry Christmas, Darling. And I um, very fortunately was able to, we were trying to, as this album was approaching for release and, you know, Christmas, we were back in September, actually August, we were thinking, okay, well, maybe we should put Merry Christmas, Darling out. Um but what can we do a little bit different? And it was kind of how we approached the album. What can we do a little bit different? We want to stay very true to her. What guest artists can we put on this thing? What, what kind of recognition can we get? Who, who will endorse this to really, you know, and not just, I mean, these are legendary people that are on this album. I mean, very, you know, they've done well in their careers, but they're huge Carpenters fans. And that's pretty cool to me. Um, but we, um, as we decided on putting Merry Christmas Darling out, we decided to do it as a duet, which had never, from, from our knowledge, it's never been done before. And so, um, so we were going through the, the roster of who, 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 who could this be to, to do your duet with? And they kind of threw names out and we were just kind of going through and um, my, the guy that was overseeing the project at the time, he said, well, what about Billy Dean? And I, I laughed and I said, yeah, right. Yeah, right. You know, because, you know, you look at people like my parents' age and my, you know, my grandparents' age of they grew up listening to the Carpenters and that was a, so much a part of their life and what they listened to. Well, you look at a Billy Dean for me and that's, that was what, you know, his music is what molded and made me. I mean, that's the nineties. I mean, that was, you know, hot and heavy back then. And, um, and so anyway, graciously enough, Billy did decide to do this um, 
we had the most unbelievable experience recording this. So that was the first time that anyone had heard anything. So in, so all across the board, Carpenters fans, Billy Dean fans and things like that have uh, been so receptive. They're, they're just, you know, so excited for this full album to come out so they can hear everything and see who all's on it and things like that. So, so far, so good. I mean, it's been great. So I was super excited that you got to perform with Sir Cliff Richard. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I would do if I got to perform, even if we were in different you, places. That wouldn't happen. Let's be honest. I know. You never know. <laughs> His security wouldn't let that happen. I Well, that's probably true. Yeah. Okay. I would have really wanted to, to see if we could recreate suddenly like he and Olivia Newton-John from the Xanadu soundtrack. Right. Right. You know, when <laughs> I agree, I agree. When we it was were, a missed opportunity if you didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and you need to call him up and say, you got to do a do-over. <laughs> so so were you on roller skates? Yes or no? Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. No, there's been a lot of talk about a lot of um, other projects, you know, other songs to be recorded with everyone that's on this album. But um, Sir Cliff, oh my gosh. I mean, I, when the epitome of humble, the epitome of kind, you know, you look at someone of his caliber, I mean, just a superstar. I mean, like the legitimately a superstar. Yeah. And I have never met anyone like him. And I just, you know, you don't, you never know what to expect when you meet people and, you know, they're doing me a favor. And so I'm so humble and I'm so grateful. And he turned the whole thing around. He told me a thousand times that day in Miami no, you don't understand what this is, means to me for you just to even ask me to be a part of this. And just the way that he makes people feel loved and welcomed and, and everything else, absolutely incredible. We did do the song Hurting Each Other. We yes. made that into a duet. Uh, that'll actually be the first single released on the album. So That's we're awesome. so excited about that. We're spoiled because we got to get a sneak peek and listen so (laughs) which is awesome (laughs) and it's great so we'll be excited for the rest of the world to get to hear (laughs) and you said you recorded with sir cliff in miami i would have thought that was one of the sessions you did at abbey road you know at the time cliff was living in barbados um so heidi road trip this is getting better and better You know, he's, he's, you know, he's dual citizenship. I mean, he, uh, he's a citizen of Barbados. So um, at the time, that's where he was living. Um, he was doing some work in the Miami area. So when he was approached to, uh, to see his interest in this album uh, and doing this song with me, um, it just worked out beautifully that he happened to be in the States at that time. Um, so we flew down, my team and I flew down to Miami and met with him and uh, some of his team. And it was just, it was just a beautiful day. It was so wonderful. When you meet someone who's knighted, is there a protocol? Are you supposed to bow? Is there a ring to kiss? How does that work? (laughs) Do you have to call him Sir Cliff the whole time? Well, I do. I've I've noticed, and I did ask that. Um, I have noticed that a lot of people don't. Um, You know, Rude, frankly. Rude, rude. Yeah. (laughs) Right. We did ask, um, you know, what does he expect? You know, because you do want to be respectful. Um, he is, he is like the total opposite of anything that anybody else probably would. He's like, Oh my God, don't, don't do anything. Please don't nothing. Just, I'm just me. 
And that was such, such a cool thing about him because he, he is, I mean, he just, he wants to be considered just a real person like the rest of us, not famous, not anything. And, um, but yes, I very much still to this day, um, call him Sir Cliff, um, anytime that I speak to him or of him or about him. So absolutely. Well, it's, I think it's just that none of us have enough nights in our life. I agree. That when you have the opportunity, <laughs> you want to lean into it a little bit. Right. It's respectful Absolutely. of him and it ups your night game. That's yeah. Right. That's right. So what do you, I, I feel like we always ask this question. It's always the worst question when you're out promoting a new record. Do you have any plans for what's coming next? Are you apart from unpacking? I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, we do. You know, I mean, things obviously as, you know, the rest of the world, we're, we're everything's so up in the air with this whole COVID thing. There are many people that are not booking, but there are a lot of people that are booking shows still. Um, we will do this, you know, this international release next Friday. I have an incredible team, absolutely incredible. Uh, my publicist is out of New York, Keith Hagan. He, as y'all, that's why we're here. Thank yes. You. Um, <laughs> And um, so he has just been incredible. I have an unbelievable promotion, digital promotion team here in Nashville called Playmore Productions. Um, and they are just phenomenal. They worked the, uh, the Christmas single and just blew it out of the park. Um, my manager is out of Atlanta. She's incredible. And uh, my assistant is here in Nashville that also works on social media and things like that. So, you know, we're just gonna push and we're gonna push hard. Um, we're going to get booked in places that are, you know, we, so much of, you know, so much, I'm not even sure where you guys are located. I'm in Detroit. Okay. Philadelphia. Okay. All right. Well, all of us Southern States down here, we're still right. looking out. Um, you know, so many, I have a home in Rosemary beach, Florida too. And so in that, that whole area and all the way down, people are still booking shows and that's such a right. great area, um, to book, a show like this because that's the generation you know that is the demographic that love the carpenter of course um so uh so yeah we're um, unfortunately in 2020 uh cliff um sir cliff had turned 80 at that time um and so he was doing his big 80th birthday tour he'd asked me to go on tour with him i mean that's just how well we just we just clicked we yeah. just connected um it's like kindred spirits. I mean, we just connected at that level. And um, he um, asked me to open for him and then sing our duet on tour with him at about 14 dates. Unfortunately, COVID canceled yeah. that course. And um, he did a couple of shows in 21, uh, but he was not able to take any opening acts with him. So we are looking forward to doing some things over in the UK. Uh, we have a talent agent over there that we're working with that'll get us getting us going over there so u.s tour uk tour we're just going to hit the door running as much as we can Tribute to the Carpenters by Carla Williams is available right now wherever you get your music. For more information, you can check out her website, carlawilliams.com. She's on Twitter, where she is at twitter.com slash carlawmusic. And she's on Facebook, facebook.com slash carlawilliamsmusic. 
You can check us out on all the various socials. Be sure to visit our website at rockandrollgradschool.com. And don't forget to leave us a review. Today's show is produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant producers are John Sauvey and Sandy Stone. Our willing producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our intern is Zach Jackson. This one's for Philippe. Thank you, good night, and may all your favorite bands stay together. So many times